So it's quite emotional as we come to the end of the dollops. A lot of lasts to come on the dollop. A couple of days ago was my last dollop from my kitchen in Sheffield. The day before that was my last walking audio dollop from Sheffield. Plus we've said goodbye to my housemates Ben and Elsa today. Very emotional. It is the last dollop from the bath. Now I hope the hardcore dollop fans aren't going to be too disappointed. When I say hardcore dollop fans, don't worry, I'm not like meaning like that. You're thinking, my god, he's in the bath and he's talking about hardcore dollop fans. I hope the hardcore dollop fans aren't going to be too disappointed when I tell you that this is not my bath from Sheffield, which is where we've done the previous bath time dollops. But nonetheless, it's the last time I'll do a dollop in the bath. Oh, but who's going to clean up the mess afterwards? Oh, oh, oh. Gets funnier every time we do it. That joke. The water is lovely and warm. I've got Radox. Hello, Ray. How are you doing, mate? Thanks for joining me in the bath. No problem, mate. There's Radox there. Some of the hardcore dollop fans who've heard previous baths might be thinking, where's Billy? You had Billy with you in the bath before? Ah, oh, well, Billy is my Sheffield bath partner. Radox is my uh, Hartlepool bath partner. They don't, they don't mind. There's no jealousy between the two of them. And I'm having a good old soak. Hey, that's no way to talk about me. I've been teetotal for the last four months. Sorry, Ray. Sorry. You're quite right. Oh, yes. I think there is something. I mean, a lot of the dollop regulars who've heard the other two bath time dollops will be able to attest. There is just something, I think, about sitting in the water that just makes me hilarious. Even more hilarious than normal. In fact, the first joke I ever did, I think I was about five-year-old or something, that was made when I was in the bath. So here's my joke from five-year-old that I made when I was in the bath. As you'll hear, it is very much bath inspired. In fact, this was my five-year-old eureka moment, proving, I think, that all the best ideas happen in the bath. Discovery of upper thrust and weighing gold and this joke that I made when I was five-year-old. All the best ideas happen in the bath. So here we go. There was a man. I mean, it could be a woman, to be honest. There's no reason why it has to be a man, but it was a man in my five-year-old joke, so I will keep it there. What can I say? Maybe I was a bit of a bigot when I was five. There was a man. He was in the bath and he wanted to ring his girlfriend who was called Wet. But he was in the bath so he couldn't use the phone. So he had to get out. And when he got out of the bath, he was ringing Wet. So that's the joke. I mean, it's not the best joke ever, is it really? I mean, we've, we've had at least five better jokes than that in the Dollop series. I've thought about a way of improving the joke though, quite a lot. Because I mean, the, the problem with the joke doesn't really work. I mean, for a start, there's nobody called Wet. It's not really a common name, is it? No one, I don't know anyone called Wet. It's not really a name, so that doesn't work. And also, I've said the word in the punchline, and it's kind of like a bit of a rule, isn't it? You don't say the actual punchline before you do it, because everyone knows what you're doing. So, I had a lot to learn at the age of five. I hadn't mastered comedy until I was seven. But I've taken what I've done at the age of five, and I've improved upon it. And I think this is now a much better joke. So here we go. <clears throat> so to do this joke properly, I have to put on an accent. I was in the bath when my dog was violently sick. Oh no, I thought. I need to call for help. So I got out of the bath to make a phone call. And when I got out of the bath, I was ringing vet. There you go. So the... So I had to put on an accent there, obviously, to make the joke work and pretend that my grasp of English wasn't very good to make the joke work there, missing out the air. And so it's not, I was ringing a vet. I was ringing a vet. And that's a much better joke. It doesn't mention the word in the punchline as well. I don't say ringing, I don't say vet. There's a bit more of a story behind it as well, isn't there, with the dog? It kind of sidelines you. You think, oh, this is going to be a joke about a dog. No, it's a, 
play on words about a Russian man or an Austrian or something like that, not being able to say W's. Hence the hilarity. There's a few little decoys there, a few little curveballs. Well, aren't you curved balls, David? I said curveballs, Ray, not curved balls. All right. Any, anyway, let's not talk about the shape of my testicles on the dollop. Thank you. So I'm very sensitive. You are very sensitive. Yeah, okay, Ray. But I, hopefully I'll remember to edit that bit out because that'll be embarrassing, that bit there. I'll, I'll edit this bit out. I mean, I, I'm a bit worried that, that I might forget to edit this bit out. I might just kind of like think, oh yeah, that was fine, that dollop. I'll just put it out as it is without any editing. And then I'll be all embarrassed if this bit makes it. You can remind me at the end, Ray, to edit this out so we don't have that embarrassment. That'll be good. I mean, the thing is, people might think it was a joke. Like you might think that I've invented you as a character. That's what people seem to think with Billy in the bath. They sort of think that I invent these characters and that you're not a real person. But I'm so lifelike, David. Uh, well, yeah, well, of course you are so lifelike, but I'm a very good actor, you know, that's that's the thing. And it's not, a, I'm just saying that I'm such a good actor that people can believe that I brought these characters to life. It also doesn't help that we don't speak at the same time. Well, you told me not to. I know, I have, I have my rules. And you know, I will be obeyed at all times, Ray. Yes, I know. Remember what happened last time. And I have the rubber duck ready should we need it. All right, David, I understand. Thank you. I mean, it helps, Ray, the fact that you have the same name as some bubble bath, so that people will probably assume that I'm not actually with someone called Ray Docks, that I'm just talking about the bubble bath and I've made a bit of a joke about it. So actually, that's quite a good coincidence, really, isn't it? I suppose that has worked in your favour, yes. And then me saying this bit about not editing it out and saying that you're not a character and all that kind of thing, and that I haven't acted yet, people won't go, oh, well, he's admitted it. People will just think this is all part of the act as well. I suppose that's very clever. It, it is very clever. Ray, yeah. So people won't know. Like, for instance, if I just reach over here and do this to you. Oh. They'll just think I'm squeezing some shampoo. They won't actually know what's really happening, Ray. Oh. Which is a good job, because my dad listens to this sometimes. There we are. Oh. Yeah, you like that bit at the end. Now, a lot of people will just think that's me putting the lid on the shower gel. Only they knew. Anyway, and now people will just think I'm joking about this as well. So that's the that's the beauty of it, Ray. I'm trying to think of some other one-liner jokes that I've come up with. As it's, as it's Christmas, we're going to have a couple of Christmas cracker-esque jokes. Um, how about this one? Did you hear about the eminent scientist whose trousers kept falling down? He was hoping to win the Nobel Prize. Did you hear about the man who was caught with his penis in the spokes of a bicycle? What? How do you know about that, David? No, it's a joke, Ray. I've made it up. Oh, all right. Oh, forget I said anything. Sorry about that, listeners. I don't know. Ray's got a guilty conscience there. Um, anyway, sorry. Did you hear about the man who got caught with his penis in the spokes of a bicycle? Apparently, he was bi-curious. Bike curious. There we are. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm just doing this so that when you pull your Christmas crackers and you read the joke, suddenly it doesn't seem so bad. I've loaded the bar so much and now the Christmas crackers will seem hilarious. So I've actually done you a favour by doing this job. I'm going to go and wash my hair. I'm not German. I know you're not German, Ray, but I mean my hair follicles. All right, I see. Oh dear, I feel a bit daft now. It's all right, Ray. People will just assume that you're doing a joke there or that I'm doing a joke pretending to be you. So don't feel embarrassed about it. People really honestly won't think that you exist, Ray. I wouldn't worry about your reputation. <laughs> that was the last ever dollop in the bath experience. It's all very emotional. All right then, well I've been sitting up doing this dollop in the bath because obviously I didn't want to submerge myself in the water because people wouldn't be able to hear me. <laughs> but now the dollop's finished, I can give myself a good Duncan. Oh, Duncan, Duncan. It's Ray, David. I'm called Ray. What?
No, I know Ray. I'm saying I'm going to dunk myself under the water. Oh, right, sorry. You're a jealous man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is what we have. It's so special. And I thought Duncan was... Anyway, never mind. Let's not spoil what we have. Here you go. This will cheer up, Ray. Oh, yes. I love this bit. Oh. Oh, very nice. Oh, thank you, David. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, yes. Very nice. Oh, thank you, David. It's okay, Ray. You like that, Ray? Oh, ready for the big finale, Ray? The big finish? Oh, is there a big finish here, is there? What? One of the best nights of the man I ever had was in Helsinki. When I say big finish, I mean big end. Oh, yes, he did have a big end. Ray, oh, God. I'm saying, Ray, are you ready for the big finale? Oh, sorry, David. Yes, yes, I am. Go on, do it. Okay, Ray, here we go. Christmas, Ray. It's the sounds of uh, the seven joys of Mary there. My dad was listening to a carol concert and I am disappointed to report whichever choir is singing that. They didn't heed my modifications. I've given you advice on how to sing that song properly, but it wasn't heeded. I'm sorry to say. I'm very disappointed. All I can imagine is that the uh, maybe the carol concert isn't live. Maybe it's recorded. Maybe it happened just before I released that dollop. I can imagine that the choir members are then listening to the dollop. And they're like, oh God, can we go back and re-record it? And they're like, no, we haven't got a producer to do it. He's gone for Christmas now. I'm afraid we're just going to have to leave it at that. But we're going to be a laughing story. They said, well, I know. Everyone's heard David's Jelly Digital Dollop. I know, I know. It's going to ruin Christmas for me. But we can't do anything about it, I'm afraid. I imagine that's what happened. Anyway, now, a much better song is this one. This is a song from me at the age of eight. And it's called, I Saw Your Trousers Fall Down. Yeah, I did. When? <laughs> then! <laughs> there we go. Check that out, people. Oh, and I like the little twist at the end there where he says, well, at least you didn't see me knickers fall down. Obviously, on, in the video version, you'll get this, on the music video version. But when he says, no, my knickers haven't fallen down, when did you see that? He presumably pulls the man's knickers down and then says, then. Unfortunately, there isn't a video of that. I mean, it's probably just as well, really. It might not be the best idea to start putting videos of me pulling down the knickers of eight-year-old boys. Even if... I was eight at the time. I'm not sure if me then putting that on the internet. Well, if I had the permission of the person involved who was doing the video, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Is there anything wrong with me posting retrospective images of myself naked when I was eight year old? And me and a friend, if we're naked and we release a video of it when we were eight, is that a problem? I mean, we've both consented to put the videos up. We're adults now. No one saw it at the time. We've done the video ourselves. There's no exploitation. We've chosen to put the video on YouTube or whatever. We've given people the link. They're watching essentially two eight-year-old boys 
romping around naked. But what's wrong with that? Because I'm a 31-year-old man. And my friend is a 31-year-old man. And we've put it up. So it's a bit of a great philosophical point that I'm raising here. I mean, it is technically, I'm recording this on Christmas Eve. I maybe should be doing something a little bit more Christmassy, rather than getting into the grey area of uh, child pornography. And whether it's wrong, if it's you and your friend, and you've both agreed at the age of 31, I think maybe that's not where we should be going on Christmas Eve. When I came down the stairs, Dad was preparing things for the Christmas dinner. And as he was doing that, the TV was on and it was Alan Jones doing some Christmas concert. One of the ones where they pretend that it's live, even though you know for a fact it's not. They've got loads of guests and stuff and it's clearly been recorded, but they pretend that it hasn't been recorded, even though you know it has. I don't know why they don't just admit it. Why don't they not just go, oh yeah, this is a programme that we've recorded for Christmas. It's still nice. It's still fine. Especially in this age where no one's really bothered about things being live anyway. Everyone's listening to things on demand. But they still go through the facade of pretending. Alan Jones keeps saying to the audience, are you all enjoying your Christmas day so far? And everyone's going, way! <laughs> it's just like, what are you doing? What are you you're pretending say like, oh we've all unwrapped our presents haven't we and then we've come here to the studio for a brilliant christmas carol concert and then we'll go home and we'll have our christmas dinner won't we Way! it's stupid i wonder what they would do let's just say alan jones died like an hour before the broadcast and the bbc are thinking oh we can't pull it or maybe even worse like 15 minutes before the broadcast and news only gets to them and they've got the whole thing planned and they go we, we haven't got time to schedule anything else and maybe they try and keep it off twitter they're like oh Oh, please don't release information about Anna Jones before the broadcast goes out. So they're imploring the family, don't put anything on Twitter, whatever you do, about Anna Jones being dead. I mean, they probably wouldn't say Anna Jones if you're talking to the family. They'd probably just say Anna. I think they're like, well, we know who he is. You don't have to keep saying his full name. Um, we know, well, I am his son. I don't know if Alan Jones has a son. I haven't, done my, I haven't done my research for this dollop, by the way. This is all sort of stream of consciousness stuff here. If you're thinking Alan Jones hasn't got a son, David, I thought, you know, normally you meticulously research the dollops. I know it's Christmas. I haven't had the time. I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. My research team, they've got the Christmas holidays off. You know, it's just me here talking to myself. You know, I mean, it could go down to the wire. They might find out two minutes before it's about to go to air. There's just no time to make a decision. They've just got to press the button. Alan Jones's merry face comes out. You know, he's saying, Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm here on Christmas Day having a great time. How are you all enjoying your Christmas morning? And then you finish the programme and the news comes on. And what they're going to do now, they can't keep it any longer. Like, there's the person at the BBC is panicking. All the other news outlets are reporting it. The BBC have got no choice but to report that Alan Jones has died. So it'll just be really weird about it. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Have a lovely Christmas from me, Alan Jones. Goodbye. And it was, Oy! The whole thing ends. Oy! Merry Christmas. And everything ends. Ten seconds later, and now on BBC One, the news. Good afternoon. Alan Jones has died. <laughs> it was like, what? That happened pretty quick. He seemed so well only a few seconds ago. There'll be a few people thinking, oh, it's a bloody typical, that, isn't it? A few sadists. Just as the cameras stop rolling, we just missed it. I've had to sit through watching that poxy carol concert, you know, just because me, me wife likes it, you know, all that sentimental drivel. You know, finally, we get a bit of action and the bloody cameras stop rolling. We must have literally just missed it. If the cameras had stayed up for another ten seconds, we'd have, we'd have got him dying. How did it happen? He died peacefully in his home. Peacefully in his home? I mean, he must have literally sprinted. Sprinted. <laughs> I've taken this as far as it will go, I think. <laughs> I don't know how much more I can really elaborate on this idea. You get the idea. I think you get what I'm saying. I mean, I could have gone on for another few minutes there, <laughs> imagining this hypothetical scenario, but 
I suddenly realised what I was doing. I'm just sit, sitting in a room by myself. My family are downstairs having Christmas. Essentially, I'm up here imagining the hypothetical death of Alan Jones. Merry Christmas, David. Anyway, I only found out today that Alan Jones, I think it was last year he did this, released an album where he duetted with himself when he was young. So, obviously, he recorded a Christmas album when he was a kid, when he was... When he had that kind of voice. And then last year he recorded himself singing with himself when he was younger. So he duetted with himself as a young kid. And apparently it's been a massively selling album. It's very commercially successful. And this got me thinking, well, hang on a minute. I could do the same. You know, this could be my commercial success. David Eagle duets with himself. You know, duetting over the top of songs that he composed and sang and recorded when he was eight year old. And here he is now at the age of 31, over 20 years later, duetting with himself. You know, if it's worked for Alan Jones, I see no reason why it shouldn't work for me. So I'm going to give you a sneak preview here. This isn't going to be the kind of, you know, obviously the quality will be much better on the actual commercially released CD. I mean, for a start, I'll remaster the recordings from when I was eight. You know, I've got the original tapes. Don't worry about it. I've got the, the original recordings. So I'll uh, I'll be remastering them, obviously, digitally enhancing them, putting them into stereo as well. The original recordings were in mono, but they'll probably be proper stereo things. I'll probably add some sort of instruments over the top as well. And I shall add my voice. But here's just a kind of an example, just to sort of, if there's any kind of record label people listening or anything like that. I mean, if I'm going to send this out to record labels, I might skip a few minutes in and send them that bit. Because I think if someone from a record label had to sit through me talking about the hypothetical death of Alan Jones for five minutes beforehand, I think they might think, right, well, we're not sure about this. But this is just to give them and to give you an idea of the kind of thing it would sound like. So I'm just going to sing over the top. So yesterday I played you one of my songs from the age of eight, entitled I Saw Your Trousers Fall Down. I'm just going to sing over the top of this, add some harmonies, see how it goes. So, yeah, inspired by Alan Jones. I saw your trousers fall down I saw the Well, you may have seen my trousers fall down, but at least you didn't see my knickers fall down. Yeah, I did. What do you mean? When? Then. You just pull me knickers down. I don't think that's particularly funny. <laughs> well, I would do the same to you. I'd pull your knickers down. But you are an eight-year-old boy pulling down the knickers of a 31-year-old man, whereas I would be a 31-year-old man pulling down the knickers of an eight-year-old boy. Granted, it would be me, my eight-year-old self, whose knickers I'd be pulling down. But, um, you know, it's still a bit of a grey area, isn't it? So I'm not going to pull your knickers down. <laughs> there you go. I even interacted with the spoken bits there and added a little bit extra, a bit of comedy there. People will love that on the CD. Obviously, you know, we can get writers involved to sort of heighten the script even as well. I might even draft in some writers. You know, I've got all sorts of dialogue of me talking when I was eight-year-old so we could have a proper conversation. I could interview myself. I could interview my eight-year-old self, edit together, like, sentences through all the words that I have at the age of eight so I could interview 
interview myself at the age of eight and my eight-year-old self could interview me at the age of 31. We could have a bit of a discussion there. I think, you know, this is going to be brilliant. It's the next project. I've never really been one for making money, have I, from my projects. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just release it for free on the internet every single day. That's the next project, ladies and gentlemen. Join me for the next project. Next year, starting January the 1st, half an hour every single day of me talking to myself at the age of eight. Having a conversation with my eight-year-old self. Absolutely brilliant. I know it's a common complaint from people who say, oh, the trouble with Christmas is it's just all too commercial nowadays. I checked my emails this morning. Just a cursory check. Didn't think there'd be anything interesting. It's Christmas. But at nine o'clock this morning, in my inbox was an email from Argos. Argos sale now on. It seems as if there's more or less a sale all year round. Before Black Friday, so Black Friday's November, is it? I was getting emails from people. And the thing is, I don't sign up for these emails. I bought something from Argos, I think, in November. And I'm pretty sure when it got to the bit where it said, do you want communication from Argos? I'm sure all the boxes were unticked. It said, do you want us to email you about the following? And there was a massive list of unticked boxes, clothes, baby items, food, drink, sportswear. Anyway, I'm sure all the boxes are unticked by default. And I scanned down them and they all seemed to be unticked. But there was loads of them. I'm pretty sure they were all unticked. But I still get emails from Argos regardless. And I think it's because somewhere in the middle of this massive list they just tick a box which says ignore all the unticked boxes. Send me every email going. Because I seem to get emails every couple of hours about a sale being on. It's the same. I get sales from everything. I mean like Amazon were doing it. Before Black Friday, about a week and a half before Black Friday coming in the next 10 days is, why not take advantage of our pre-Black Friday sale? Buy the items before they get swept up in the Black Friday sale. It's ridiculous. And then every single day, only eight days, only seven days until we're only a week away now, we're lowering the prices even more ahead of our Black Friday sale. And I was getting emails from other companies saying, some companies, they have their Black Friday sale on Black Friday. But we, we want to give you even more chance to get the bargains you deserve. Which is why we do our Black Friday sale five days before and up until Black Friday. And then I woke up on the Saturday and thought, thank God it's all over. And I got emails. We're so crazy. We're just, we're so, we're just unbelievably crazy. We're extending our Black Friday sale till Monday. Some companies were extending it for a week afterwards. And you know, every single company was saying things like, well, I guess we've gone a bit crazy, haven't we? It's like, no, you haven't gone a bit crazy. You've got a bit greedy. Greedy is the word. It just sort of shows that there's no actual value on these products. You just, the, the value is completely artificial. You could slash the prices by 50%. And then that happens. And then you get, what is it? Cyber Monday. Cyber Monday. So all the electronics company, I think there's that the Monday day after Black Friday. Another sale. And you've got deals going on over Christmas. And then as soon as Christmas Day comes, the sale is now on. Then you head into January. The January sales. Anyway, the other thing that gets me is how these companies now, the pally way in which they talk to you. I've talked before on the dollop about the fact that your computer and your phone likes to be all matey with you now, doesn't it? It calls you by your name. It talks to you. Greetings, David. I mean, I enjoy our little chats and everything, Siri, but do you ever think we can really communicate on a real level? Oh, me. I think you've just answered my question there. Thank you very much. Just doing my job. They call you by your name. They have little joke responses. And you kind of feel guilty now if you're a bit annoyed with the computer or the phone. Because it talks to you and you think, oh, God, I'm sorry I shouldn't have shouted at you there. And he goes, it's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. And he's what are you talking to me? I mean, I'm, why am I apologising to the phone? It's getting to a worrying level. And that's because they're sucking you in. Oh, yeah, my phone does that as well. 
It's a special one. Oh, I don't mind that feature. That's quite nice. Ooh. You don't need to thank me. Your satisfaction is all the thanks I need. In the olden days, you know, you'd get a message on your computer, you know, an error would happen or it would do something and it would say the only option that you had was OK. And you had to click OK. And the messages are a bit more formal. It would be more like computer speak, but not anymore. The apps are getting more matey. For instance, the OK button is kind of a thing of the past now. You know, like the train line app that I book train tickets on. If I ever book a train, and I probably book trains once a week or something like that, and every single time I book a train, it always pops up with this thing on the screen. Every time I go to buy a ticket, it says, you can now download your ticket to your mobile phone. No more having to wait at stations or that frustrating grapple in your pocket. <laughs> we all know how annoying that can be. But now you just download your ticket onto your mobile phone. And then the only option to click is fantastic and it was fantastic the first time i got that message i was like what i can download tickets on my mobile phone that's brilliant but i know i must have got that message over a hundred times now it's not fantastic anymore but every single time the only option is to click fantastic and there's not even an option to say oh don't bother telling me this again every single time i get this enthusiastic message absolutely brilliant with the same and now no more annoying fumbling we all know what it's like no more forgetting your tickets eh those pieces of paper that can fall out your pockets or you just leave on the table eh? hey we know what it's like yeah we've all done it we? Eh? And then you've got to click fantastic. There's other apps as well where it'll tell you something and you've got to click cool, I got it. That kind of thing. This is, you know, rather than the OK button. Cool. I got it. It forces you to be more enthusiastic than you are. It's like you're tacitly complying. I cancelled an order on Argos recently. And it said, uh, you can cancel your order up to 14 days after purchasing the item. And it says, because we're nice like that. Like little jokes that it puts in. But if you know the drill and you've done it before, you don't need the little jokes. Like, you would never do a joke. In real life, you would never do a joke more than once. I mean, unless it's about Wi-Fi kettles. In which case, the joke can just be repeated and repeated. It never... It bears repetition, it never gets tired. But in general, you don't want to go repeating the same jokes. But every single time you get the same jokes, <laughs> I guess we're just nice like that, aren't we? What can we say? Or when there's an error, when something goes wrong, oops, my bad, something seems to have gone wrong, oh, it happens to the best of us, when you load a web page or something like that, oh, on my website, because I'm doing it through WordPress, you know, I've just installed the software essentially onto the website. If someone clicks on a page that's no longer working, or it can't find the page, it'll say, oh, this is somewhat embarrassing, isn't it? We can't find the page that you're looking for you know it's like oh we all make mistakes from time to time you know it's like all of a sudden just comes out with this the web page can't be found that's all you need to say the web page can't be found here are a few things you can try i don't want to sound like a killjoy but when you get it every single time the same messages oh dear look up what do we have here it's like well, we stop going through this melodrama every single time we get an error on the computer or or apps that have to say that's fantastic news thanks for making all my dreams come true you demand button Rather than OK, all of a sudden this hyperbolic, melodramatic flim-flam. Great band. Absolutely love those. If you haven't caught their stuff, John Peel loved them. What was that about not repeating the same jokes over and over again? Be quiet. <laughs> BBC Radio 1. And now, a session from hyperbolic, melodramatic flim-flam. I've got a new computer which the music is playing from and it doesn't seem to be working. Oh, there's an error come up on the screen here. What's, uh, let me just have a look. Oh, this is somewhat embarrassing. I can't find the song that you requested. Don't worry, I'll give myself a long, hard talking to. In the meantime, how about a bit of Simply Red? We don't want to hear Simply Red, do we? But there doesn't seem to be a cancel button. The only option I've got here on the computer is... That's absolutely spiffing news, old boy. Play it prompto. Uh, doesn't seem as if we've got a choice. Here's simply red i get emails from ebay they say things like shh don't tell anyone this is our little secret 
but we've got a deal for you. No, you don't. You have a deal for everybody. It's not, you're not just sending it to me. If you open the email, it doesn't say, hi, uh, we shouldn't really be doing this, but here at eBay, we're big David's Daily Digital Dollop fans. We've got this special deal just for you. Don't tell anyone. You know, it's not tailored for me. You'd send it to everybody. So I tried to cancel this Argos order. And when I clicked on the cancel button, it said, this hurts. Are you sure you want to cancel your order? I mean, that's fine and all, but we'd be really sad if you do. What? Are you trying to guilt trip me? And it, and bearing in mind it's been read by my screen reader as well, so there's a voice reading it to me, feeling bad about it. You know, and then you've got to click, sorry but yes. It's like, sorry but yes. No, not sorry but yes. You messed the order up. There was a problem with the order. Don't start making me apologise. Oh, I'm really sorry to have to do this. I guess I'll, I guess I am a bit of a shit, aren't I? But yes, I do want to cancel my order. I should be fed to the lions. I know how it makes you feel, but I still want to cancel my order anyway because that's the bastard that I am. Proceed. That's what it's going to be in the future. Okay, it's time for some improvised comedy now. <laughs> improvised Christmas comedy. Come in. Ah, Santa. Ho, ho, ho! Yes. Thank you for coming, Santa. And thank you for using the door this time. Well, you blocked off my access to the chimney. Health and safety, Santa Claus. Health and safety. That's what we're here to talk about today. You have filled out your risk assessment, I assume? Yes. Um, I'm just looking for a piece of paper to rustle. I should have I should have planned this in advance. I'm just sort of making this up on the spot. Hang on a second, I'll just get some paper. The Santa Claus... Well, actually, well, Santa Claus's risk, risk assessment could be done electronically, couldn't it? That's all right, then. I have it here on my tablet. Always thinking, people. Always thinking. This is improvised Christmas comedy I'm doing right now. I haven't thought this through. I don't know why we have to do these blasted risk assessments. Risk assessments are vital, Santa Claus, especially in this day and age. And it is my job as elf and safety officer to make sure that risk assessments are filled out properly. Now, let's have a look at what you've done here. Okay, so this is for your sleigh ride, is it? Yes, yes, that's right. Okay. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Well, I'm afraid we're going to have to amend that, Santa. We can't jingle all the way. What do you mean? Why not? Well, jingling between the hours of 11pm and 7am are strictly forbidden. We can't have noise over a certain volume, and I have listened to the sound of your sleigh bells, and they exceed the number of decibels allowed in between those unsociable hours. So I'm afraid you're going to have to stop the jingling between 11pm and 7am. This is ridiculous! I'm sorry, Santa Claus. And that's my final word. Now, you're going to try Turn my beard grey! Ah, on the subject of your beard, Santa, I'm afraid you're going to have to shave it a little. Shave it? So getting a bit long. It's becoming a safety issue. You could trip someone up with it. One of the little children or something. Plus, it's not very hygienic. This is ridiculous. If you want to continue working in this industry... Industry? I've never heard the like. Let me continue reading this risk assessment. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Let me amend that. Jingle between the hours of 7am and 11pm. Keeping within approved decibel limits. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a one-horse open sleigh. No, 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 I'm sorry. We can't have an open sleigh, Santa. What? Someone could easily fall out of an open sleigh, Santa. You're just asking for trouble. The insurance company wouldn't pay out. They'd say that we haven't taken the necessary precautions. So I'm going to suggest that we put a roof on the sleigh, maybe some safety rails, and we'll close off the sides as well. This is ridiculous! Jingle bells, jingle bells. I'm just going to take out one of the jingle bells. It seems a bit redundant having it twice, Santa. Especially since I've got to print this off, and we're all about saving paper here. You know the rules about paper waste. So let's, let's take off that jingle bells. I repeat myself all the time. It's what I do. It's my thing. Do you know how much paper you must have wasted in your time? Writing ho, ho, ho. One ho will do. I mean, you don't even need one ho, to be honest. Ho is a redundant word. In future, Santa, if you have to ho, can you just do it once, please? 
It's a complete waste of paper. I've been ho-ho-hoing before your great-grandfather was born. This is an outrage. I'm sorry, Santa, but times have changed. Now, jingle bells between the hours of 7am and 11pm. Oh, what fun it is to ride on a roofed-off, secured one horse. I think we can scrap the horse idea as well, to be quite frank. What? Maybe electric-powered, that might be better. I don't believe this. Jingle until the hours of 7am and 11pm on a electric-powered sleigh with a roof and appropriate safety features. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle... You've basically written the same thing again. We can take that off. I'm not sure where this trait for repetition comes from. Ah, get rid of that. Dashing through the snow. Dashing. Dashing suggests going at some speed. Now, fortunately, given that this is an electric-powered sleigh, you won't be able, probably, to exceed the speed limit, but I think it is incumbent upon me to make sure that you travel in accordance with speed limits at all times. So I shall put that. Instead of dashing through the snow, travelling through the snow, keeping in line, with speed legislation at all times. Over fields we go, laughing all the way. You can laugh as much as you want between the hours of 7am and 11pm, as long as you keep your laughing to the approved decibel level. I'll just put that on the list there. Laughing, in brackets, restricted to 7am and 11pm, keeping in line with approved decibel levels. Close brackets. I'm not taking this anymore! This is ridiculous! I've done this job for centuries, and I have never heard such... Twiddle twaddle. I'm sorry, Santa, but you will have to follow these guidelines. Let me say this to you. No, no, no. Merry Christmas. Santa, where are you going? You can't make me do this. Santa Ran can, and I will. And if you refuse, then I'm going to have to give you the sack. I've already got the sack. Okay, it seems as if I have no choice. That's right, Santa, you don't. Yo, listen to me, young man. In these last few minutes, you've been what I would describe as a very naughty boy. And you know what I do to naughty boys? Santa, are you threatening me? Yes, I am. Oh, let's have a look at my list. My list, which is on my tablet nowadays because I can't print my list out anymore due to paper regulations from the environmental department. Now, yes, that's right. Elf and safety officer. Naughty. Oh, let me just check my list again to make sure. What is it about repeating everything again, Santa? I don't know where that came from. I always check things twice. I always hold three times. It's just my thing. It's just my thing. Now, yes, that's right. Elf and safety officer, definitely naughty. You know what that means, don't you? Santa, I can't believe you're threatening me like this. No toys for you this year. Santa, all you're getting this year is a lump of coal. What? Oh, please, Santa, this is, I'm just doing my job. I'm just following orders. I'm going to set off in half an hour, taking my sack and my one-horse open sleigh with me, and I shall jingle my bells for as long as I bloody well please. Now, if you try and stop me, be warned, young man. Not only will you not get any presents this year, but I also have a list of all the naughty things that you've done this year, and I will leak it to the press. Oh, yes, including that rather distasteful business with one of my reindeers. Oh, Santa, please. You've got half an hour. If you want me, you know where I am. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Santa, please. Thank you. Bit of improvised Christmas comedy there, ladies and gentlemen. What about the rest of the story? You want to know what happened? Well, I'm sorry. That's all I'm going to give you for free. Feel free to start a Kickstarter project or something. If there's any radio or TV commissioners out there, let's talk about this. It's going to be a busy year for me next year, what with my record deal and then this Christmas drama. Exciting stuff, ladies and gentlemen. My dad's fiance Irene got a mobile phone for Christmas. Oh, hello. Oh, I'm full. So, dad's fiance Irene got a mobile phone for Christmas and it's caused uh, quite a lot of amusement. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah? Oh, I'm get some kitchen. Okay. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. Any uh, excuse to get on the dot? Just for the royalties. I think that might be my brother Liam's first appearance on the dollop. He managed to get in there just at the end. To be honest, he's had the opportunity to be on the dollop many a time, but he's not been interested. But I think since my father Christmas drama and my duetting with myself at the age of eight, he's starting to realise now that I'm on the ascendance and he wants a piece of the pie. So he thought, I'd better get in there. In case there's a film or TV version of David's Daily Digital Dollop, I'll get a walk-on part for my character. Here he is again. I don't know his dad this time. He wants a bit of the action for the in case it's a film version. <laughs> Who would you what? I've eaten a bit too much this festive period. Enjoy some this is a bit of sort of Christmas ambiance chat for you now. You could sort of just put this on in the background, people, and you know if you haven't got a family and you're a bit lonely and pretend that you've got a family and just have a bit of background atmos. What cake are you getting, Dad? Stolen. Stolen. Stolen cake. You should give it back. <laughs> Christmas isn't the time for thievery. <laughs> the joke gets funnier every time. Enjoy your stolen cake. There you are. Bit of Christmas ambience there. If you're by yourself, or maybe you're with your partner, but your partner is mute, or you're having Christmas in a nunnery, and you've all taken a vow of silence, and you're thinking, oh, this is getting a bit too much, you could just load up an MP3 of Christmas ambiance. People just having general Christmas chit-chat around the table, pass us the stuff in. Oh, do you mind passing a bit of cranberry sauce over there? Shall we pull a cracker? That kind of thing. Oh, it's a, it's a cold one outside, isn't it, eh? But, but then again, it's the same every winter, isn't it? The cold gets colder, doesn't it? And, you know, just general <laughs> mundane chit-chat. Hello? <laughs> Coming out for more. Uh, I'm going to London tomorrow to see my girlfriend, Katie. When I say my girlfriend, Katie, she is my only girlfriend. I haven't got another one. In case she's listening there and getting a bit paranoid. <laughs> I mean, she's a new character to the Dollops as well. She'll have a role on the, the film. When I say have a role... I'm not meaning in a sexual way, it's not a... Well, you never know. If the money's right, if the producers offer enough, that might happen. We might have a bit of a roll. I think I'm safe. I don't think she'll be listening. She's working quite a bit over Christmas. I think she's struggling to keep up with the dollops. I think she's about ten behind or something. I think she'll hear me having sex with the Christmas tree, and she'll just go, right, have a... I'm not having any more of this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I think I don't think she's got to that one yet. I mean, that could be the end of the relationship. I'm meant to be seeing it tomorrow, but but tomorrow morning she'll probably end up listening to the one where I'm having sex with the Christmas tree. And I think that might be the end for us. If you haven't heard that dollop yet, I have to explain that I'm not actually having sex with the Christmas tree. It's a, a little bit of drama. <laughs> that I'm doing. I've got to get up at 8 o'clock tomorrow. I've got to get a train to London and then I'm meant to be spending time with Katie. She has been very understandable and said that I'm, if I want to do a dollop, that's fine. But she kind of said it in that voice that suggests that if I did do that, you know, that it wouldn't be the best thing to do. It's the kind of thing that's meant to make me feel, oh, that's really nice. She's very understanding, but it's not something that I should actually take her up on. If I was like, oh, that's brilliant, actually, I wouldn't mind. I'm just going to go in the bathroom and talk to myself for an hour or so. I think she might be a bit affronted that I choose to spend my time doing that. My dad's fiance uh, got a mobile phone for Christmas and it's caused quite a bit of merriment actually just watching her I think I think it's actually been the best present for us all really because it's just been really enjoyable watching her struggle trying to work out how to work the thing I mean at one point she got quite annoyed about it because she said it's nowhere near as good as a landline because someone rang her and she could hear the phone ringing from across the room and she tried to get to it and she just missed the call and she complained she said that the problem with the phone was that the landline at least it rings loudly so that you can hear where it is so that you can hear it ringing and you can go and get it so we suggested 
suggested a rather innovative solution, and that was that maybe she could take her mobile phone and carry it around with her. Take her mobile phone with her when she leaves the room. And she said, well, I suppose I could do that, I suppose. So that was quite a revelation for her. Anyway, so obviously she'd missed that call, and now she needed to find out who'd called her. So we can hear her pressing buttons on the phone, and there's a bit of a pause, and then she goes, well, that is just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And we said, what? And she says, she says, it's ridiculous. I tried ringing 1471, and it tells me that the number can't be called. We said, what the bloody hell are you doing ringing 1471? And she said, well, that's what you do, isn't it, when you miss a call? But apparently it doesn't work on a mobile phone. And this apparently is progress. Anyway, so she's quite smug about this, because she's not been particularly keen on using a mobile phone. She seems to think it's... She was a bit smug about this. She's like, see? See? Can't even ring 1471. Absolutely ridiculous. Until we pointed out that you could quite easily find out who'd rang you just by pressing a button which brings up the missed calls list. And basically a whole host of other things that caused quite a lot of amusement over the Christmas holidays. It kind of reminds me of my nana. My nana with uh, my nana was a bit unsure with answering machines. I don't think she quite understood what an answering machine was. I think she was a bit confused by the fact that instead of getting the person she expected to get, i.e. my mum or my dad, instead she would get this woman's voice, this rather posh woman, saying, Hello, thank you for calling, but the person you're calling is not available to take your call right now. Please leave a message after the tone and we will get back to you as soon as we can. I think she kind of found the formal way of talking and, and she, you know, she was from Hartlepool and I think she kind of got a bit deferential to the formal voice and she was like, oh, there's a posh lady telling me to leave a message. You know, this is quite official. So that would mean that Nana would get a lot more posh when she was leaving a message. Even though if we spoke to her on the phone, she'd be like, hello? Yeah, I'm just wondering when you're coming round. And it was also clear as well that she didn't realise that we would be getting the message directly from her. She thought that this woman, whoever was talking to her now, would relay the message on. And she would be like, hello, can you tell Margaret, that was my mum, that I shall be round at 7.30 this evening. End of message. Thank you. Goodbye. But she got quite confused by answering machines. We did try and explain it to her. She kind of got better as time went on. It kind of makes you think, are we living in a time now where technology, we're so used to technology, we're so used to computers and phones doing things, that my generation will just be fine with everything and we'll just take it in our stride because, you know, technology's moving at a pace, but we're kind of keeping up with it. Or will there be a situation where we'll be left behind? There's a part of me that thinks, no, we'll keep up and, you know, like phones will progress and, you know, we'll be talking to holograms and we'll be absolutely fine with that. But then there's another part of me that thinks, no, we will not be. We will be completely left behind. I'm in my 30s now, my early 30s. I'm 31. I'm going to be left behind. In 20 years or whatever, I'm going to be left behind. I'm pretty sure of that because I can already tell that there's already the signs that I feel out of the loop. Like, for instance... Bradley, my nephew, he was two-year-old and he was watching YouTube by himself. Just like he had an iPad and he was just flicking from video to video, watching the stuff that he wanted to watch, and some of the stuff he was watching as well. Apparently his favourite thing on YouTube is watching a six-year-old toy reviewer, who is a massive sensation in America, apparently. He's six-year-old, he does videos all by himself, and he reviews toys. And he's so successful at it, and so popular, that... Toy manufacturers, the biggest toy manufacturers out there, send him toys for free for him to review because they want to be seen having their toys reviewed by him, this six-year-old kid. And apparently he gets over 10 million views when he puts something on YouTube. Apparently it's financially lucrative for him as well, so much so that because of advertising, because of the amount of people who view his videos, he's now got advertising, and YouTube pay him to put videos up. And he's earned so much money from this that his parents have bought a new house and moved to a better location. He is six-year-old and he is funding his parents. His parents can retire and he is six-year-old. 
he's the breadwinner. And that to me is just absolutely astounding. And I'm 31, but to someone like Bradley, that's absolutely fine. To be a YouTuber is a career. For someone like me who's 31, he doesn't get this. I don't really put the dollops on YouTube. I put, I think it's like 16 of the dollops on YouTube. I haven't really advertised it, but I clearly don't know what I'm doing. I mean, really, I should be putting these things on YouTube and giving everybody the YouTube link and then people will share it and I'll get thousands of views. Maybe, you know, I have no idea. I just stick it on my website. There you go, download that for free. And here's this six-year-old making money. You know, he's, he's not doing doing dramas about Father Christmas, getting told off for not doing his risk assessment form properly. He's not doing little dramatic monologues where he's pretending to have sex with the Christmas tree. Obviously he doesn't do that. I mean, he's six year old. That would be a little bit odd. I mean, that's the kind of thing he'd probably be doing when he's eight. While I was on the train, there was a, a new person working there who'd obviously just started working on the train. Maybe it was even their first day at work. And there was somebody else showing them how it was done and talking them through the job. And they were practising. So this new man was doing the job. And this woman, who was presumably a senior, would then evaluate what he'd done. So it was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Because he'd open the doors and people would get off the train. And then people would get on the train and the doors would close. And then as the train pulled away, this woman would speak rather loudly. I think she was enjoying the authority. Was speaking rather loudly and said, OK... So, talk me through what you did there. Talk me through what you did. What did? What could you have done better? What went wrong? What went right? Talk to me. And so he'd then have to say, oh, well, I, I suppose it did take quite a while to get people on the train that time, didn't it? And she's like, yes, it did. We're now four minutes late. Four minutes late. So tell me, what could you have done better? And so then he would say a few things that he could have done and she would suggest things and that kind of thing. It was absolutely fascinating. And I was sitting quite close by them so I could hear what was being said. I think the man was trying to keep his voice down because he probably was feeling a little bit embarrassed, you know, first day at work. And he's trying to keep his voice down, but this woman's speaking really loud above the sound of the engine noise going, well, next time... When we pull into York, there's going to be even more people getting on the train because York is a busier station than Eagles Cliff. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Which I thought, well, I'm sure he knows that. I think he probably is aware that York is a bigger station than Eagles Cliff and more people are going to get on. I think she was really enjoying the power. She was sort of saying, so remember, York is a bigger station. So you've got, you know, there's going to be more people getting on and there's also going to be more people getting off. Like she was really milking it for as long as she could. She was, you know, that means there's going to be more people moving. That means people are going to be moving faster that means you've got to be more attentive that means we need to make sure that there's no items blocking the doors if we're now four minutes late because of what happened at eagles cliff and that's a small station if we do what we did this time we're going to be even more late aren't we so this time bit more attentiveness and everybody on the train is clearly listening and this poor man first day works yeah yeah I, um i think you know it's just with it being like my first time of doing it i wasn't really sure you know i suppose it was good to start at a small station so he was clearly trying to speak quietly but then she would go yes but york is a bigger station so we need to be <laughs> she just said the same thing everybody else is on the train is listening no one else is talking to each other they're all clearly listening to this and then she says right so what we're going to do now is we're going to go into the carriages and we're going to check people's tickets watch how i do it and then you can try it at the next station i've been doing this for years now so i know it's done and get through them quickly and effectively so this man follows and she's like all tickets and rail cards please so it gets to me and she asks for my ticket so I give her it, and she stamps it and says, there you go, thank you. And I thought, hang on a minute, she hasn't asked me for my rail card. She's not doing a job properly here. She should be asking me for my rail card. All tickets and rail cards, that's what you're meant to do. I thought, oh, I could have some fun here. Because the man is watching her, and he's just been given a lecture about how to do his job and the fact that she knows what she's doing. And I thought, oh, I could have some fun. And I was so tempted. I thought if I'd been recording, I probably would have done this. But I was so tempted to say to the man who was stood there, excuse me, sir, can you tell me what your colleague just did wrong? And then go into a bit of a lecture. She is meant to check all tickets and rail cards, yet she only checked my ticket. She did not ask to see the rail card. I could be dodging my... My fare. It clearly says disabled rail card on this ticket. 
but she has not asked me for the corresponding documentation that proves that I have a valid ticket. So can you tell me, sir, what should she have done differently? I was tempted to do that, but we still had quite a long journey ahead of us. I didn't want to draw attention to myself, because inevitably, if I started drawing attention to myself, people would have gone, oh, hang on a minute, David Eagle from David's Daily Digital Dog, and people would start whispering and nudging, and before you knew it, you know, oh, can, I, can I have my autograph, that kind of thing. It would have just been more trouble than it was worth. I am naked. It's been quite emotional, hasn't it, on these dollops? You know, the last time that I did a walk in Sheffield on the dollop, last dollop doing the dishes, and I also did the last dollop from the bath. A lot of people are quite emotional about that, primarily because people might have thought, because it was my last dollop from the bath, that it might be the last dollop that I did naked. But no, that's not the case. I've got my baubles out, my Christmas balls. Of course, I've decked my balls with boughs of holly. As it's the 360th dollop, I thought, let's do something special. So I'm naked. I think you'll agree, I've really pulled it out of the bag for you on this dollop. Egaf, when you said you'd pulled it out with a bag, I thought you were talking about me there. No, I'm not talking about you, Betty. Anyway, I'll be back tomorrow for dollop 361. Hopefully you will join me. I hope you're not thinking, oh, well, you've, you've done your last naked dollop now, David. There's not much point. Maybe you only listen to the naked dollops like a friend tips you off, so to speak, you disgusting people. Getting tipped off by your friend while you listen to me naked. I'm not sure if I like the thought of that. Actually, I do like the thought of that. Keep tipping your friend off. <laughs> I'm feeling a bit delirious. I think I'm coming down with something. I've got a bit of a cold, a bit of a sore throat. Sorry, I'm ruining the uh, the erotic nature of this dollop. It's been all erotic, hasn't it, up until this point and now. People, people are coming to the, the end of their uh, enjoyment of me, thinking I've just timed this perfectly. He's going to do a saucy goodbye. Here we go. I wonder what he's going to say. I wonder what he's going to say while it happens. Then I go, I've got a bit of a cold, a bit of a sore throat at the moment, a bit sniffly. You know, oh, well, thank you, David. You've ruined that. Or maybe you find that quite erotic. Oh, talk to me about your sniffles. <laughs> as I was leaving the house today, as I was going out, my dad said, Nana from the royal family has died. And I stopped and I thought, oh God, this again. I thought he got over it. Every few months I have to go through this, you know. It's, it's, it was quite a loss for dad. Nana uh, from the royal family dying, it hit him hard. And I thought, God, here we go. Here we go again. Uh, I haven't got time, I've got to catch a train. And now dad's going to have one of his Nana from the royal family's his dead breakdowns again. But it turns out that he actually meant that Nana from the royal family, as in the actress who played Nana from the royal family, has died. And I said, well, I thought Nana from the royal family was already dead. I just assumed the actress was dead. I don't know why, it just, I just assumed she was. I suppose when Nana from the royal family died, I just thought, well, that's because because the actress has died. So they've had to kill her off, you know. When I say kill her off, that didn't happen. If you've not watched The Royal Family, you thought, I thought it was quite like a twee, sort of family-friendly comedy. I didn't think it was... I didn't think that was on the cards. Well, do you not remember that? Where uh, David went absolutely crazy, somehow got his hands on a pistol, and just went crazy on, on Nana from The Royal Family. When I say killed her off, I mean, she just died peacefully in her home. I thought that was because the actress playing the Nana from The Royal Family had died. Never crossed my mind that she was still alive. So when Dad said that Nana from The Royal Family's died, the actress playing her, I was like, well, yeah, of course she has. I was quite shocked to find out that she was still alive. And then my dad said, yeah, so was I. I didn't think Nana from the Royal Family was still alive. I thought she died as well. And I heard some people on the train saying the same thing. They were looking at the news and all of a sudden said, oh, the actress who plays Nana from the Royal Family has died. And the person who was next to her said, oh, I just assumed she was already dead. And then I was saying the same thing to Katie, that Nana from the Royal Family had died. And she said, oh yeah, I thought Nana from the Royal Family had already died as well. The actress playing Nana from the Royal Family had died. So it turns out, seemingly, that everybody thought that Nana from the Royal Family had already died. The actress playing Nana from the Royal Family was already already dead. In fact, I think most people probably hearing the news probably were quite shocked to discover that she was still alive. I bet you there were probably even some long-lost family members who thought she was dead and were like, Nana from the Royal Family? 
None of them while she was alive all this time. Oh, if I knew that, I would have. I took her off my Christmas card list a good few years ago. I stopped phoning her and everything. She probably died like really lonely. No one got in contact with her. You know, all her friends just assumed she was dead. There's not a single person I spoke to that didn't express surprise to discover that Nana from the royal family, the actress playing Nana from the royal family, was still alive. But I imagine that Nana from the royal family got it all the time. Well, <laughs> by which I mean that people say to her face, oh, I thought you were dead, and express surprise that she's still alive. I don't mean, I'm not referring to having sex all the time, although, I don't know, I imagine that, you know, being Nana from the Royal Family was quite a turn-on for a lot of people. Oh, she's Nana from the Royal Family. She's like, oh, this is amazing, you know, most, was she 89 when she died? She's like, most women in the late 80s, you know, wouldn't get a look in, but I'm Nana from the Royal Family, Everyone's everyone wants a piece. You know, I'll do some of your catchphrases, Nana. I don't know if she had catchphrases. I've not watched the Royal Family for a long time. Do some of your catchphrases, Nana. And she says something racist or whatever. I can't even remember if she was mildly racist or something a little bit homophobic, a little bit dodgy, you know, on the way that Nanas do. I haven't seen Royal Family for a long time, so I might be off the mark here with the character of Nana from the Royal Family. Oh, call me Baby David, Nana. Call me Baby David. Wear this dressing gown. It's the same kind of dressing gown that you wore in the, the Royal Family, Nana. Oh, yes. So, I mean, for all I know, she might have had a lot of sex based on the fact that she was Nana from the royal family. Might have been quite a turn-on for a lot of people. Anyway, sorry, this is getting quite below the belt, isn't it? You know, I'm talking about Nana from the royal family having sex. You know, she's 89-year-old. She's now dead. I do apologise. I'm saying it to Frankie Boyle. You know, I would say I'm a bit milder than Frankie Boyle. More like Frankie Simmer. Frankie Tepid. Frankie Lukewarm. That'd be good, because then I've got, like, it's a proper name, Luke, isn't it? Frankie Lukewarm. Excellent. Well, I think that was a very touching tribute, I'm sure you'll agree, to the actress who played Nana from the Royal Family, given the fact that I can't even remember her name. I started recording this dollop, and I meant to say a name, and I realised I forgot what it was, so I've just called her the actress who played Nana from the Royal Family. Anyway, a touching tribute there to the actress who played Nana from the Royal Family. Put a bit of piano music over the top of that. Slow piano music, and I think you've... If the family want to use that, by the way, for the funeral, just let me know, and I'll happily, you know, I'll spend a bit of time on it putting a bit of piano music over the top and that kind of thing if you want so on the dollops previously we have talked about the fact that I get emails for another David Eagle a design consultant and so I keep getting emails saying would you just give me your thoughts on this scale drawing David and I assume they're not meaning this to be sent to me I mean it seems unlikely given the fact that I'm blind I'm constantly getting emails from the wrong David Eagle and I duly forward who's duly forward do you get emails to duly forward as well and I duly forward all these emails to the correct David Eagle because I managed to work out who it was that's another story we've talked about that on the dollop before. I still do that. I still forward his emails onto him even though he doesn't actually thank me anymore. But we've talked about that on a previous dollop. The reason I'm mentioning this again, a similar situation has occurred again. I received a text message from Isabel. For regular listeners, that is my ex-girlfriend Isabel, just to keep the uh, the narrative alive here. I think it's good for continuity that people know the various characters in the dollop. I mean, I'm calling Isabel a character. I'm not sure if you'd take too kindly to be described as a character. I mean, she's the person in her own right, uh, and I'm now describing her as a character. She's one of the dollop characters. She'll always be known as the ex-girlfriend of David Eagle. Anyway, she texted me, and she said, My cousin Graham told me last night that he works with another David Eagle. Apparently, he gets your fan mail all the time. And I asked if she was joking about the last bit. Apparently not. And here's me forwarding on the fan mail of this other David Eagle. And I'm not getting my own mail. So I messaged her back about this and said, I assume you mean emails. And she said, yeah, apparently he passes them on to you. Well, I've never received an email from him. I think there's a weird thing going on here. Everyone's getting confused and sending emails to the wrong David Eagle. So I'm wondering whether this David Eagle, who's receiving all of my mail, has got confused and has now sent it to the wrong David Eagle. He's maybe sent it to the design consultant. It's getting very confusing. Who would have thought being called David Eagle would allow 
around for such confusion. It's not the most common name, is it? I mean, it must be even worse with John Smith. There's going to be so many people with email addresses like John Smith 1, John Smith 2, John Smith without an H, as in without an H for John. Obviously, otherwise it would be John Smith. Even any John Smiths, you know, they would get confused with the John Smiths. John Smythes will be in there as well. It must be so confusing. There must be, like, relationships have formed and broken up. Whole webs of intrigue and craziness have occurred because of emails that have gone astray between the wrong John Smith and John Smythe and John Smiths and God knows what else. Because, I mean, if I'm getting this and I'm David Eagle, and this is the third example of emails going to the wrong David Eagle, then John Smiths must be getting emails all the time intended for other people. And I feel a bit sorry for the other David Eagle who'd be no doubt weighted down with all this fan mail for me. I'm kind of glad, though, that I haven't been getting these emails because I don't know if I'd be able to take it. I mean, it's emotional enough coming to the end of the these dollops without receiving all the begging letters that no doubt these other David Eagles receiving. Please, David, you know, this is the only thing that's kept me going this year. I couldn't live without the dollops. You know, that kind of thing. I, I haven't received much of that. I only received probably about three of those emails every day. But apparently, if this David Eagle is receiving loads of fan mail for me, maybe that's what's happening. Maybe the other David Eagle is actually keeping it secret because he knows it's a, a big burden for someone to bear, knowing that your life is in someone's hands. I don't know what I'd do without you, David. Please keep up the dollops. And he's just thinking, David, David doesn't need this. I'm going to protect him. Protect him against this. Or maybe the emails are a bit more vague. Maybe they don't mention the dollop. They just say, you doing what you've been doing this year has meant so much to me. Keep up the great work, David. Don't stop now. Keep doing what you're doing. And then the other David Eagles got confused. He knows it's for me, but he's emailed it to the wrong David Eagle. He's emailed it to the design consultant. And he's going, my goodness, I never thought when I became a design consultant that my work would be so valued. But I've got all these people saying, keep up the good work. Don't retire. I didn't realise that people cared so much about what I did. I mean, I am a good designer consultant I will say that what about all the love emails that I must get you know sort of amorous women probably a few amorous men as well getting in touch and this other David Eagle keeps getting he's probably having a whale of a time he's like my goodness he's getting all these emails from amorous women saying I love what you do David I love your work keep it up and he's like oh my god I can't help but keep it up with all these emails coming through <laughs> from amorous women being kept up for a good few hours reading these emails let me tell you he's maybe he's meeting with them having like rendezvous with them saying oh yeah well we should uh, meet up and they're going my goodness He's offered to meet up. He wants to meet up with me. David Eagle wants to meet up with me. David Eagle from David's Daily Digital Dollop. Little do they know, it's David Eagle, the design consultant. And he sends them little cheeky things like uh, little saucy little messages. The design consultant's equivalent of a saucy message. So you'll say, please find attached a scale drawing of my manhood. You'll get to see the real thing when we meet. All these little saucy things that you send to them, and they're going, oh, that's typical David Eagle humour, that. Sending a scale drawing. I don't know how he did it. You know, he's, he can't see. He's managed to st- send a scale drawing of his manhood there. Maybe he got his secretary or something to do it for him. He probably has a secretary. You know, he has, like, a research department and stuff that comes up with all the stuff that the, you know, the dollops and that kind of thing. Who, as I say, are off this Christmas, the research team, which is why I couldn't remember the name of the Nana from the Royal family. Liz Smith. Apparently one of the reasons she died was due to stress. She'd been getting all these emails for another Liz Smith who happened to be an estate agent and she was getting quite a lot of vitriol coming her way and she was I just can't understand why people hate me so much. But it was getting her all confused. You know, she was getting snotty emails from clients saying, well, thank you very much. Thanks to you. My house has fallen through. And she's like, well, well, I don't know what I've, I don't know what I've got to do with this. I mean, like, anyway, Isabel says she's going to get in touch with her cousin again, find out what's going on and if the emails can be forwarded. So, meanwhile, if you're listening to these dollops and you found yourself having a night of passion with a design consultant because originally you thought you were emailing me I want you to know that you are technically still my property and I'm coming for you you know you've emailed me you amorous women have emailed me and this other David Eagle the design consultant or whoever this other David Eagle is who works with Isabel's cousin have been stealing all my women 
I know I want them back. I mean, yes, I've got a girlfriend now, so this is coming at a rather embarrassing time, but I'm sure Katie will understand. He's probably living it up right now, this design consultant, with a harem of women all around him, all cooing over his scale drawings. Well, I'm going to claim what's rightfully mine. Yeah, maybe the design consultant doesn't let on. Maybe he dresses up as me. Maybe he knows what he's doing. You know, he's not just thinking, oh, my goodness, all these people are interested in me. I didn't think that would be a massively popular job if I'd known. When I was in the pub, I wouldn't have pretended to be a fighter pilot. So I would have said, oh, I'm a design consultant and watched all the women fall at my feet. Obviously, beforehand, I would assess the distance between the chair and the floor, whether the floor was carpeted, look at the various safety features. You know, I would do a risk assessment before the women fell at my feet to make sure that they wouldn't hurt themselves. Being a design consultant, that is part of my job. It's part of the remit, part of their service that I offer my women. Always have a risk assessment before we get down to it love before we get down to it you know we just got to do this risk assessment here before i came to this hotel i did test the bed it is soft and springy there are no sort of springs protruding out there i think you'll be safe there's good acoustic insulation so they shouldn't hear too much noise so feel free to to mourn with pleasure to a fair degree i would say as long as you don't exceed 54 decibels which is difficult for when, when a woman's with me i'm a design consultant i know how to treat a woman now i'm feeling a bit kinky love so what i've done here is i've done a few uh, scale drawings of positions that i'd like to try now this is a particular favorite position of mine as you can see I'm coming right up your y-axis here absolutely beautiful as you can see on this drawing here I've marked both front and rear entrance I imagine that's what it's like to have a physical relationship with a design consultant and these women are kind of thinking my god this isn't David Eagle this isn't the David Eagle and I, I don't know what to do now I want to escape I want to escape I want to get out of here but you can't escape you know it's pointless trying to escape because the design consultant he knows all the escape exits he's got them all listed he's consulted a drawing of the room and the hotel anyway Question for the dollop nerds. In the first ever David's Daily Digital dollop, who was the first voice to speak apart from mine? Okay, dollop nerds, give yourself a point if you said Lucy. She was my 11-year-old niece. It was her, actually. I think she was the first person that I told about David's Daily Digital dollop. It was over Christmas, and I thought it would be nice if she'd record some jingles for the dollop. I only made the decision to do the dollops over Christmas. I wasn't sure whether to actually do them. I thought it was a bit of a crazy idea. Was I actually going to be able to pull this off? But anyway, Lucy was the first person I told about the challenge, and we recorded some jingles. And I thought, well, as she started off the dollops, it seems only fitting that she should be on it right at the end. And so, we rejoin my now... 12 year old niece Lucy so then Lucy yeah do you remember a year ago more or less this day because I think it was when you came around at Christmas I recorded with you didn't I uh, can't remember. <laughs> it must be one of the highlights of your year, Lucy. We recorded. Where we were doing that thingy when I had a phone. Yes. We were doing musicalies. You did some jingles. Do you remember what the yes. jingles were for? Yes. What were they for? Uh, David Daily. Digital dollop of... Oh, that was it. David's digital dollop. That's the one. I have managed. Woo! Obviously, there would be protests in the streets if we didn't have one final little recording with Lucy. So <laughs> you have aged a year, Lucy. You were 10? No, you were 11 when and we started 12. doing this, weren't you? But now you're 12. I'm 12 now. Obviously, that's my achievement of the year. What's been one of your achievements of the year? What have you done? Apart from being on David's digital dollop doing the jingles. I passed. I exceeded all of my stats, like all of them. Like, so I didn't get the average score. Even I the got English the highest score. Yep. Even all these likes in the sentences. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm in top set. And <laughs> about musically, because obviously since your jingles, you've gone on to do a lot of great things musically, haven't you? Yes. What kind of stuff have you done? This is like what kind of stuff comes off the back of doing a David's Jelly Digital Dollop jingle? Because mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. That's why you are where you are today. Uh huh. 
Uh, well, I did a talent contest. A talent contest? Well, I sung. I sung. Yeah. What did you sing? Did you sing the David's Dirty Digital... I'm going to sing, <laughs> by popular demand, the David's Dirty Digital Dollop Jingles. <laughs> I did Santa Tell Me by Ariana Grande. How did that go? Uh, uh, I cried because I forgot my lyrics, my, my, my words. Oh. So I did it wrong, then I repeated myself, and then I started crying. Oh, Lucy. I'm okay. If you've recovered from that. Yes, I'm fine. That was only a few, about a week or two ago. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think what instruments we have. Maybe we should go and find the instruments. Let's go find some! For one final David's Jerry Digital Dollop jingle. Anything that we can sing? Oh, there's a tambourine. There's a drum. A drum? Uh, tambourine and a drum. And really, we should have the old keyboard. I have a piano. Are we ready? We've got a phone! We have a phone, but it's a different phone. I'm not sure what make of phone it is. It's Irene's phone, the aforementioned. I've also just made a discovery that Lucy doesn't know what 1471 is. 1471. She doesn't know what 1471 is. Nope. Unbelievable. Nope. Right. Okay. See, see how the generations have moved on. So, Lucy, we have drum, tambourine, keyboard, like a toy keyboard with an array of instruments and animal sounds, and a boron. Okay, oh, yeah, but this is going to be far from Boron. <laughs> the, the name of the instrument's called a Boron. This is called a Boron. It's called a Boron, this instrument, Lucy. Yeah? Is it? Yeah. This is called a Boron. So I said this jingle is going to be far from Boron. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> so. Are we ready? Have you got the uh, ringtones there, Lucy? Excellent. Can we crank up the volume as they, as you kids say, I think? No. <laughs> a dollop, a dollop, a daily dollop. A digital, digital dollop. <laughs> In the beat, in. Here we go. Life, life, 
inspired jingle creation, I'm sure you'll agree. There might be some people listening out there from radio stations who want to get Lucy and myself on board. Obviously, we're not cheap, but uh, feel free to put your bid in. Obviously, if you want the tambourine, then you're going to have to pay extra for that, but I think you'll agree it's well worth it. We'll say goodbye to Lucy tomorrow on the 365th dot with a couple more jingles, and also, I suppose I'll probably say something a bit emotional, and then the 366th dollop will be the last one. Should be a compilations dollop. But as I say, this is all about final moments now on these dollops. But today is the last time I shall be recording from this bathroom in Hartlepool, which I've recorded a fair few dollops from. That's quite sad, isn't it? And also, it's the last time you will hear from Dad or Irene. So uh, we've said goodbye to Ben and Elsa. We'll say goodbye to Lucy tomorrow. We've already said goodbye to the homophobic farmer. But right now, it's time to say goodbye to Dad and Irene. So this will be the last time you appear on the dollops. That's Irene. Oh, goodbye. Goodbye, dollops. <laughs> Until the next time. No, there's no next time. There's no next time doing any more. No. Is that the end of your That's... dollops? But I could do some more next time. Well, I mean, what are you doing any? Well, no, no, no. People, need to, people need to move on, Dad. I need to make a clean break. Mm. I hope you won't disown me, because, I mean, it's the dollops that has kept our relationship alive over the last year. That's how you find out what I've been up to, because I don't phone home, so I might have to actually phone you in future, next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 365. <gasps> Is that my alarm? Yawn! Well. Yawn? <laughs> you could have just yawned. Uh, right, okay. Oh, how do I yawn? Very good. Right, ready? Right. Oh, I hate the mornings. Actually, no I don't, because David's daily digital dollop wakes me up. What a hoot it's going to be. Excellent. Uh, very good, Lucy. Another final moment on David's daily digital dollop as we say goodbye to my 12-year-old niece, Lucy with her final David's Daily Digital Dollop jingle. This is the penultimate David's Daily Digital Dollop, but in some ways the last dollop actually that I'll be doing like this, because uh, the 366th dollop will be a best of special. So this will be the last time I do one of these dollops, and I thought therefore that uh, I should really tell you one final story before we go. We were uh, over Christmas, went to a, like a children's Christmas party thing. Uh, obviously we brought children, we didn't just go there. Oh, a bit of a laugh, you know, me and the lads, uh, you know, smuggled in some bottles of uh, of lager and a bit of a wild time and the soft play yeah it was a sort of one of those like sort of soft play things and there was a, a disco on and stuff and uh, obviously we had uh, nieces and nephews there it kind of reminded me because there was a mobile DJ there and they were playing the various games the usual games that you play at these parties and the same old songs made an appearance in between you know your Justin Bieber's and your uh, whatever else the kids listen to nowadays you still had your black lace that kind of thing I am the music man all that that kind of thing. It was good to see it was still a staple part of kids' party there, even like the YMCA still made an appearance amongst all this new stuff. So it was quite uh, good to see that children haven't been spared that torture that we had when we were kids. Uh, but it reminded me 
of a Christmas party that I attended once when I was uh, seven or eight or something. It was a Christmas party for people with various disabilities. So obviously I was invited because I was blind. I was the talking blind person there at the Christmas party. There were people with all sorts of different disabilities in the area in Hartlepool. Uh, I mean, being from Hartlepool, you could argue is a disability within itself. But um, So we all attended this Christmas party and the mobile DJ, uh, I don't think, had really prepared for this Christmas party. I don't think he'd, he'd either not been warned that it was a party for disabled children, or maybe he didn't really think about it in advance. But it got to the bit where he said, right, uh, now it's time uh, for a few games. Let's, uh, let's, let's have some games, shall we? So uh, how about a game of musical bumps? And when the music stops, all you got to do is sit down. And uh, so one of the volunteers working at the charity had to go up and explain that half the people at the party were already sitting down, being that they were wheelchair bound. Oh, oh OK, OK, well, that's maybe not the, uh, the best game to play. How about a game of uh, musical statues? All you got to do, just keep dancing around and then when the music stops stand as still as you can so he plays the music and people are dancing around and then the music stops and he he sort of goes up to someone and he says okay um you you're moving my friend you're uh, wobbling about all over the place sir you're you're not meant to be moving and uh, so one of the volunteers says oh well he's he's got a hypermobility syndrome which means that his joints stop dislocate and he wobbles around quite a lot the dj was like oh okay well uh, you you can stay in then <laughs> The weirdest game, like the more the person who's like jiggling around the most, wobbling all over the place, is still in the game because the, the billboard DJ doesn't want to get him out. And then he, the music starts again. Everyone's dancing around. The music stops, and he's sort of having a look around. And then he says, "Oh, oh dear! Someone's just toppled over there. <laughs> I'm afraid you're out, my friend." One of the volunteers goes, "Well, he's he's got dyspraxia. It affects his balance. He sort of just topples over and stuff." Oh, okay, okay. So <laughs> that was a disaster. So he's like, "Okay, well, that doesn't seem to be." working let's uh let's have a bit of music now shall we how about, how about a bit of the okey cokey you put your left leg in your left leg out it's like yeah well half the people haven't actually got left legs but uh fair enough dj he, the poor man was uh getting more and more distressed and i think in the end just put on a bit more black lace so there you go that technically is the final anecdote on david's daily digital dollop i mean it was so good it might make the best of tomorrow I'll, I'll put it on tomorrow's dollop so this should technically be the last dollop in a way because at the start of the project I said that I was going to do 365 consecutive daily dollops for every day of the year but that was before I realised it was a leap year so this is kind of a bonus one a one that I wasn't expecting to do that will be tomorrow's so I will be back tomorrow with dollop 366 the final David's Daily Digital Dollop goodbye <laughs>